0: Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life, and I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. My my name is Michael Gregson. I'm your host and excited about tonight's episode. Um, I've got two very fun and exciting people with me tonight that I just barely recently was connected to uh, through somebody I actually had on a past episode, Jake Fulton. Um, After I did the episode with him, he called me up and he's like, dude you got to get the Vanderbeeks on your, on your podcast. They have this really cool story. And, and so I thought, okay, he's known these guys forever. There's going to be this phenomenal story and uh, come to find out um, Alan, Rachel Vanderbeek um, and Al is of course, one of the producers for the piano guys. And as Jake starts telling me the story, I'm like, okay, so, so how do you know them? And he's like, well, I just met him at a baptism and I started talking to him and, man, they have the coolest story. And I said, Hey, you got to be on this podcast. My buddy's doing it. It's a great podcast. And I'm like, Hey, Jake, I don't, I don't know if I'm really like that to that point, my podcast yet, but thanks so much, man. And, uh, he just, he was really excited to connect us and said that you guys have such a fun story and, and a really unique story as well. Um, so anyway, enough of that, um, Al and Rachel Vanderbeek, and I'm excited to have you with me today. Please go ahead and, and tell us about yourselves, and, and thanks so much for being here.
1: Hey, yeah, th- thanks. We're excited to be here.
2: Thanks, Mike, thanks for the time. And any opportunity that we have to uh, you know kind of share our, our story and, and really share our testimony of kind of where we've been and where we were and, and the, the whole journey that we're still going through that, that have gotten to us where we are today is uh, an opportunity that we love so. We appreciate the time to be here tonight absolutely i don't know if it's tonight when people are watching this you're watching it today so if it's during the day right <laughs> <the afternoon. laughs> i always say
0: tonight when i do it but anyway so so you guys have three young kids you live in holiday utah yep um and and obviously with the profession that you have al you you must be very
2: busy i'm i'm, I'm assuming that you're traveling a lot but maybe with covid staying home a little more often Oh, man, I mean, a question like that, that could take you down many directions, but the short of it is, yeah, because of due to COVID, I mean, all touring uh, is pretty much uh, not happening, you know, for the, you know, unforeseeable future, we don't know, maybe we'll start up in a year, we'll see, but uh, it's actually been a a huge blessing because there's been a transition in the group of just kind of figuring out, you know, um, kind of what's the next chapter in the piano guy's life. And so having this downtime and being home and be able to focusing it on family and kind of uh, have that mental uh, capability with, you know, not being pulled in so many directions with shooting videos and going on tour and just the schedule is crazy. It's been uh, really nice to, to get some clarity on, on what's next for us. So that's kind of what we've been figuring out as far as that, that side of things.
0: That's awesome. It's it's been a good time. I think it's been a good time for all of us yeah. to kind of take a step back and say, "Am I where I need to be? Am I am I good as a you know? If you're a, a father, am I good as a father, or as a, or as a mother, and just kind of get your bearings straight, if you will? Um, how long have you guys lived in Holiday?
1: About five months. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was the end of August, kind of first of September, we moved here. So
0: okay, during the pandemic.
1: Yes, yeah. I would
2: suggest moving during a pandemic, you know, especially when you're outgoing and you love having people over and doing things, it's it's not the best time. So it's been a little difficult for us, you know, as far as getting to know all of our neighbors and people in the ward. But, you know, we've gotten to know some really good people, but we're really looking forward to when we can actually, you know, not feel shy about asking people if they, they want to, you know, hang out.
0: <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, uh, my wife and I signed in our home Again, as I was telling you before we started recording, um, the day the NBA shut down the whole NBA mm. schedule for last year. And uh, I think every time I go to my mailbox, I'm a social guy. And if someone else is at the mailbox, I'm like, from a safe distance, like, hey, right. if you make eye contact with me, I'm going to talk to you for like the that. <laughs> time. I'm going to be that weird guy in the neighborhood. Right. And uh, it's going to be fun when this thing kind of opens back yeah. up. Um, let's let's start, though. Let, let's go back to when you guys yeah. first met. Let's kind of let's kind of get to that point in the story and go from there. So how did you guys meet? Go back. Um,
1: okay, I want to give just a little bit of background first. Um, Al and I both came from LDS families. You know, we had really great upg- upbringing. Our parents did everything right. And then um, I actually went through a divorce and it kind of rocked my world. You know, I had felt like, I had tried to do everything I was supposed to do. I got married in the temple. I had never tried drink or smoke and I would kept myself clean and kept the commandments and you know, checked all the boxes. And then I still felt like so much disappointment and kind of angry at God. Like if I did everything right, why did I still end up in this place? And so I had gone through that divorce and it was kind of in a place of darkness, kind of lost. Um, I was angry and mad and I had, um, t- you know, taken off my garments, stopped going to church, started hanging out at clubs with some girlfriends. Um, that's kind of the place where I was when we met.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good place. Uh, you know, similar for me, you know, did everything was expected growing up in the church. Served a mission in in Seoul, Korea, which was still, I mean, one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Um, and I remember uh, the month, oh, a couple of weeks before I was to come home, my mission president sat me down. He said, "Okay, now Elder Vanderbeek, when you get home, it's time to focus on your education and find your eternal companion." Right. So I came home, and basically just did the opposite. Right. You know, all those habits that I had formed—you know, daily prayer, reading scriptures, uh, serving others—I just came home and I was just like man, do I really believe all this? I mean, I had gained a ter- testimony to a certain point, but I think, you know, pre-mission and even post-mission and at the age that you're at when you serve a mission, at least I didn't have all the opportunities to really fully test my faith and my belief. I kind of was leaning on borrowed light, right? And so I got home similar to Rachel and it was just, you know, I was started hanging out with, you know, people that were, return missionaries too, but were kind of in the same boat as me. So I felt comfortable around them because we all kind of just, we all kind of uh, (laughs) sunk down below the radar together, right? You know, we moved in with, you know, my brother and a a couple friends that were return missionaries, but we were all kind of in the same boat as far as where our faith was. So it was easy, you know, to start doing things like just throwing parties and start drinking and hanging out and doing all those things. So that's kind of the the place that I was at as well. And then I got married, and I was married uh, just shy of of two years, similar, went to the temple, got married, and and so I guess that was, I guess this was kind of, I, I guess I need to back up because you know, I did come home, and I, I did put a little effort in trying to make it work. But you know, I had the I had the ideology that you know I've I done my service, and now Heavenly Father's just going to bless me, and everything's just kind of cake from now. And, you know, you go get married in the temple, and that's you know you're just going to get blessed automatically for that. And so, like
1: yeah. it's supposed to be happily ever after, right? You know, like that's the end instead of the beginning. Yeah.
2: So I was I was I was really uh, I was in on the gospel when it was very convenient. So then when that marriage uh, ended, same thing. I just started feeling like, why am I putting all this work into it? Why is it not working out the way that, you know, everyone says, you do these steps and and Heavenly Father just blesses you and, and everything is great. But uh, that wasn't the case. And, and my testimony wasn't at the point where I, I felt like I had the conviction to, you know, to, to try and look and, and get that, that uh, you know, personal conversion for myself. So I just, uh, you know, started living a worldly life, I guess yeah, you could say.
0: Rachel, you you mentioned a word that so I, I've been through divorce too. And um, it's hard. I mean, no matter what, right? Whether it takes two to tango, we all know that. And and it just it, it's it's tough stuff. But growing up in the church and knowing and recognizing the importance of what marriage is, like what what did it take to overcome resentment? Is that something that took a long time for you to finally like really process?
1: Yeah, I think so. It took, well, because I didn't really come from a, like my, my grandparents were together. My aunts and uncles were together. Like everyone I knew was still together. And then to all of a sudden be the one that was different. And it was like, why did you give up? You made the choice. You were the one that got yourself here. You know, why couldn't you survive? Why couldn't you make it? So then it was, I kind of just felt like a failure in a lot of ways. And so that's where a lot of the darkness came is just like, I felt like I was judged. Now you're sitting at the kiddie table. People don't know how to treat you. Are you single? Are you married? Like all of a sudden you're in a different category. And so just kind of finding your place and where you fit in was kind of confusing and dark for me.
0: They put you back at the kiddie table. (laughs)
1: No, but kind of mentally, you you know what I mean? It's more of like a mental place. Like everyone has someone they can set you up with and everyone has a cousin that, or, a you know, somebody that they think would be a great date for you.
0: Yeah.
1: All that kind of stuff.
0: Al, what about for you? Like with your experience, because it sounds to me like you absolutely loved your mission.
2: Oh, I did. I did. I mean, I loved everything, but I love the culture. I love the language. I love the food. And most of all, just love the people. Um, but again, I mean, when you're out on a mission, you're like just you're all in to serving these people, and, and it's not like you. It's, you don't. I mean, I didn't really have a lot of trials on my mission. I mean, the language seemed to come easy to me. I, I loved kimchi, where some people just they never got a taste for it. You know what I mean? And so it was. It just seemed like man, this is just just is awesome. It's just fun, right? But then you get back in the real world, and then you start focusing on yourself. It's like all of a sudden you go from like putting all of your, your energy into serving others. Then you come home, it's like, what am I going to do with my life? I didn't want to go to college. I never went to college. That, that didn't sound appealing to me. I was always, music's going to be my thing. Like I just felt like Heavenly Father put me on this earth to do music. So I was doing everything. I was f- trying to force it to happen, right? This, this will be something we can talk about later that can kind of segue into, into everything, but... Um, yeah, I, I definitely felt I felt shame, I felt guilt, and but it, it's just it just goes, you know, when 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 I stopped praying every day and then stopped reading my scriptures every day, and then guess what happened next? I stopped going to church every Sunday. Then it wasn't going to church at all. And before I knew it, fifteen years went by of being inactive. Right? So it was just and, and it was just those Really basic things that you hear over and over in the gospel since in primary read your scriptures say your prayers Man, I stopped those things and it was just I mean, it just it just led me to right down the road. It was just it was just so natural that I didn't even see it coming
0: Amen to that. I you know, I've I, in my own life I've noticed the same thing when I returned home from a mission as I you know as I started dating women It, it just you're spread thin, right? You're trying to dive into so many things, trying to you live up to all the expectations that you think everybody expects you to live up to. And and it, what's interesting is is looking back on it all, those are those are false expectations. Like people just your parents especially people just want you to be happy. But we 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 yeah. compare ourselves to others. We in the church we're all so close that we sometimes we get lost in in what's really important and trying to to keep up if you will or or trying to be the best if you will and make sure our testimony is shining the brightest and and we get lost yeah, right so true. okay so you both are yeah. going through like a difficult time well, where where do you
2: meet
1: right so um this
2: is where it gets good this, this... is the good and, and i got to tell you you're going to think we're making this up and like we're embellishing it like honestly it's probably in real life this is one of the things like in the next life if there's like a you know a, a like a big server room with all the memories and all the things that happened, i hope i can just go i i, I want to see this time when we met if it was really as magical as we we remember, remember it. because yeah. it is yeah <laughs> okay, you start from your side where okay. were you that was it a so, saturday i kind not yeah. remember was no. it a saturday or no, it friday? Was like friday it was kay. friday so friday it, was a,
1: it was a friday night and like i kind of mentioned before me and my girlfriends um would go out clubbing so i was I'm from Cache Valley, which is about an hour and a half north of Salt Lake City. And so I was staying in Salt Lake... Coming La- to the big city. Yeah, I was coming to Salt Lake City oh, to put on a big hair no. show. So me and my girlfriends that I worked with um, were like, let's let's go out. It was the night before the big hair show. So we were kind of bar hopping. We were at one bar and we were had guys paying attention to us and... They're like, no, let's go to another one. they're and
2: buying you drinks. The guys
1: and... are buying us drinks. So I'm like, no, let's not leave.
2: You were at Portocol, didn't we? At Portocol before I you, was. Had... you remember that? I don't know if you ever did that scene, <laughs> but uh <Port-a-Call. laughs>
1: So but they convinced me to just leave that and then let's go over to this other place called the Sky Bar.
2: And Which is on the top floor of the Red, uh, Red Line, Line Hotel.
1: Yeah, it was up on the 13th floor. Yep. So um we get there and it is crowded. The place is totally packed, music is playing so, so loud. And um, as the doors open up across the room, I see this tall, dark, handsome guy. And he has sunglasses on and he turns towards me and he kind of tilts his sunglasses (laughs) down over his nose a little bit so that he's making eye contact with me. The breeze starts blowing through my hair. (laughs) Okay, so you gotta stop. Okay,
2: so I gotta continue now from, from my, okay, I'm at the club. Man, I, I used every any device I could to, to draw attention to me. So yes, I had sunglasses on um, in, inside of a club at 1 a.m. And then I also hung out with like my sister and like some of my girl cousins, female cousins. So I like I always had girls around me. So where I have like, you know, three or four girls around me, got sunglasses on, and no joke, man, when she came through that door, everything it just went quiet. Stood still. Slow motion, man, and it was like magnet, m- magnetic force. Just I just turned, and there she was. And it was, seriously, it was like slow motion. She kind of the light hit her perfect. It was like, you know, I think of a scene like Farrah Fawcett. I don't know why I think of her. Even my wife's prettier, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Where it's just all of a sudden the hair just flows perfect. It wasn't even a breeze, but her hair like someone was holding a fan on her. But and I did. I, I looked down and I tilted my glasses, and I just thought in my mind, like that's the one. Not meaning that's the one that I'm going like to end up with, but like that's the one, like she's the one tonight, yeah. <laughs> you know, that I'm going to make sure I meet this woman tonight, right? Okay, so that's the scene. So then what are you do? Okay,
1: so then my girlfriends decided to go sit down because they want to go grab another drink and I just, I'm on a mission now because I saw Al across the room and I'm like, I want to go meet him. So they go sit down, I'm by myself. You felt the same way. This is good. Oh yeah, oh. I absolutely felt it. We, we Once our eyes connected, like I think we both just felt that static electricity. We yeah, just had yeah. that connection right was away. Something special. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm out on the dance floor, and like I mentioned, it's packed. So it's I was trying to kind of maneuver around people while, while I was dancing, and I was trying to watch my peripheral and kind of keep getting glimpses of Al, and where is he now, and am I getting closer?
2: So, Mike, I'm on the opposite end doing the same thing. So, on opposite ends of the dance floor, she's weaving through people, I'm weaving through people, you know, dancing, kind of looking like we know what we're doing. Bro, in the middle of the dance floor, we hit backs and just turn around. And we just start to dance. It's so loud, we can't communicate, we don't say anything, but we just start dancing for, (laughs) like, 45 minutes. Just, I mean...
1: He's wiping the sweat off my forehead. We were
2: speaking body language is what we were speaking. (laughs) There was no verbal words, but the body language was very powerful.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, so after, like you mentioned, about 45 minutes, we're dancing. So we have a lot of physical chemistry. Yeah. We know that we're into each other, but we can't even say anything because it's so loud volume wise.
2: And it didn't matter at that point. like
1: No, it didn't. It didn't matter. So then it's last call they turn on a slow song and kind of bring down the volume. And that slow song, I don't, I don't know, but Al's lips got a little closer, my lips got a little closer, and we,
2: we, we started, started making, making out. out. We just went in, man. And it was, a, I mean, it was very passionate. And it, it was probably, it was a couple minutes just kissing. And I remember when we got done and just in my mind, I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you don't even introduce yourself. You need to be a gentleman. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hi. I'm- I'm out <laughs> <laughs> And then she said, Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm Rachel,
1: yeah. So then we gotta finally introduce r- yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And he asked for my phone number and okay. I remember thinking, Oh, do I give him my real phone number? Yeah. Like who do you who meet at a club? Guy? Like do you really give someone your real information? And back then we didn't have self like smartphones and we didn't carry around cell phones all right, the time right. like we do now. It was just kind of something you had in your back pocket when you emergencies. Right, right. So I did end up giving him my cell phone number. And
2: I called her, probably like at 3 in the morning, because me and, bu- me and my buddies would always get back get together and go to my apartment and just start jamming and playing music. And I'm like, "Oh, I, you know, I'm going to try to impress her some more. I've her come over and, you know, play the guitar for her or whatever." But it I don't, I don't even think you had a voice message, so it would just had that like generic, "Here's the phone number, leave a message." And I'm like, "Oh, man, she didn't she totally gave me a wrong number." But I left a message and
1: And my phone was dead because, you know, like I said, back in those days, you didn't have it charged all the time and always on the ready. And I had to be at that hair show in the morning at five. So I'm going to bed like three. I only have a couple hours of a nap before I have to work the whole next day. And so I didn't even get his message until Monday. So it's like three days later.
2: Yeah, I'm like this girl I'm not going to see her again
1: before yeah before I finally got back right. that
2: night I know huh
1: come on this
0: is too, like this is too good a story the wind blowing through the hair you right, introduce right? yourself I with know. words, but you showed dance moves right off the bat I mean that's what do they say 80% of our language is body language I mean man
2: well we definitely we both had that going for us so what happened so well,
1: we do a lot of we do emailing yeah. um we would see each other on weekends
2: but the i mean the Fast forwarding, it was basically three months later we were engaged, six months later we were married.
1: You found each other, did you kind
0: of let the shame of the past fall away a little bit?
2: You know, that wasn't really, we didn't really talk about that. Like I knew she was LDS, she knew I was LDS. Again, it was one of those things, it's like, oh cool, we, we kind of both know each other's background, we both can relate to where each other's coming from, so we're safe with each other there, and we're you know, you're know you not going to try to, let's go to the temple right. tomorrow, or I'm not going to be forcing let's go to church. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, let's, we know we loved each other and we knew uh, that if, you know, if that ever happened, then it happened, but it wasn't something that we really discussed.
1: I think it just gave us something that was common. You know, we kind of had a nice common background kind of, so that then it gave us a foundation of something that was similar.
0: I like that. So you, so you, you date for three months, you get married three months after that, so six months later, right? Are your your family's like on board with this? Are they Are they all about this? What's going on there?
1: Like my mom, from day one, always told Al that he brought the sparkle back to my eye. There it is. See, twinkle, twinkle, um, <laughs> because it, we like I like I mentioned, I was kind of in a dark place, and just having some joy and having someone that was making me happy. I think my family could see that and could see that even though maybe we weren't as active or church going, or we didn't have the light of Christ in our lives at that time, we were, um, happy. And I think we had to be in that place at that time together. So then we had the similar foundation so we could grow together.
2: Right. But then we both came from divorces, right? And they knew how horrible those were. I mean, we weren't, we were totally different people in those relationships. And we were totally different people in this relationship, but in, 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 in a good, positive way, right? So they saw that. So, you know, of course, along, you know, as parents, do, of course, they're always like, yeah, come back to church, get back to the gospel, put God back in your life. But, you know, really, they were just happy that we were happy. So yeah, everyone was supportive on on all sides when we met.
0: Honestly, too, when you find that that real love, that's like I don't have to be somebody else for this person, kind of love. You know what I mean? I think that's a hard thing when we're younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not saying it's the you know the worst thing in the world, and and we all need to watch out for this, but like there's something real about that expectation again when you go into a marriage and I think sometimes when you're really young and you haven't really experienced a whole lot you get all these ideas in your head of of what you see other people doing and you're like I want to do that or this or whatever and so you've kind of developed a career path and maybe you're not even passionate about it you just think it's what you're supposed to do and sometimes we go into marriages and then all of a sudden we look at the other person we're like well you said you were going to do this and there's these unmet expectations and so there's a lot right. of shame that comes with that as well. Right. And, you know, I, I met my wife. I wasn't out at a club. She didn't see my dance moves the first night. I had to, it took me a minute. Oh
2: well, dang. It would have been a lot accelerated the process if she would have. I am sure. You know, I
0: thought I could dance. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it was, it was the same thing for me when I met her, we, we had both kind of, you know, disengaged with the church. Not that we stopped believing in, and it sounds like that's you guys. And, yeah. and when I felt so safe with her, um there was something so special about that love to me and I knew that I could never let it go because it made me want to be so much better than I am so so I guess going forward from here with you guys you know we're talking years later I don't I don't want to just jump to that so so as you guys are married as you start to have kids as you start to develop I know you get busy with your career um Alan maybe you can share some of that but but what kind of happens next for you guys
2: you're good at telling this part.
1: Um, I think we were, we kept trying to find our way, right? So we kept trying to find the right path. So at first Al was working and then he was like, well, I'm going to try music. So then I was working and I was supporting the family, um, while he was trying to figure out the music thing. And then it switched again. And then it was a cell phone thing. You know, he was doing graphic design for the iPhone. And so it was just, kept trying to find our way um, and we were going
2: to different churches, and we kept
1: trying different religions. You know, we went to the Baptist church for a little while then we tried the rock church for a little while and we just, were trying to find what felt like home and what felt true and real to us. And um, we couldn't really find it. And then I remember there was an experience that we had when my son Holland was five. And um, you know, we had been, like I mentioned, we were going to different churches, but we really didn't have consistent values. I mean, we were teaching him how to be a good person and not to lie or steal or cheat, but um, I, and we weren't teaching him the things that we had grown up learning, right. as far as like a Heavenly Father that loves you and the plan of salvation and where you go when you die. And so when my son was five, um, his cousin's dad had committed suicide and and passed away and so him and his cousin were the same age they're both five-year-old boys trying to figure out death and my son started asking questions like where do we go when we die what's going to happen to uncle eric um what's going to happen to their family now you know just so so many questions and that's when i started kind of re-examining my life and i could see where my faith maybe needed to be a little bit stronger and ways that I needed to teach my son. Because I'm like, he, he's lost, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the things that I knew when I was his age. And so um, it started getting that idea kind of, fought, you know, growing in my head that I did want to start going back to church and I did want that for my family.
2: And, and we did, we, we kind of did the uh, half-heartedly, let's, let's go back and give it another try, right? And I remember when we met uh, with our bishop, and, and and I was already at the point. I'm just like, you know, I was I was just waiting for someone to say the right thing so that I could be offended, and use that as a reason for me to be out, right? So I remember the bishop was just, you know, talking to us, and we were like, yeah, we want to, you know, get back in, and we want to, you know, we want to bless our son, and you know, and. So he started asking, the, you know, the questions, are you paying your tithing? No, or are you, you know, you know, just all, all, the, all the worthiness type questions, and we're like, well, no, and he's like, okay, well, you know, you need at least, you know, become to church for X amount of, of months and pay your tithing for X amount of months, and that was it. I was like, serious? Why, why don't I just write you a check right now? You know, let me just let me just pay you up front. That's, that's how, what I, how I felt. And so, of course, that was the reason just to, to be offended, and then Again, we just kind of went back to our ways, right? I was the dude, man. I was the guy that, when we found this house um, that we lived in in Sandy, um, I would purposely go out on Sundays to do yard work because I want people to know that Al Vanderbeek, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be mowing my lawn on Sundays. That's what I do. Nobody could tell me that I can't be doing that. And I'd wear like a my little wife beater, and I have tattoos. You know, I got a sleeve here and. You know, I'm like, yeah, they're going to see my, you know, I was trying to be, I don't know what I was doing, but, you know, and then when they, the home teachers come visit you and stuff, it's just like, you know, hey, just so you know, I'm not, you know, we we get it, we've been there, done that, but, you know, it's just cool if you come by and drop us off some treats, but, you know, you know, don't, don't be doing it just to check us off a list and, you know, expect that we're going to be, you know, we're not, we're not your project, basically, you know, so I was very, um, just kind of. Upfront about that kind of stuff, you know. I was gonna let them know, right?
1: But they didn't give up on
2: us. Like, <laughs> no, they our, didn't. Our
1: Our family was praying and loving on us. We had all of our neighbors and friends that just they loved us. Like,
2: yeah, we it was, generally it was
1: felt like they would come to our house not to like check off their visiting teaching or their home teaching. It was more like they they wanted to be our friends and they really wanted to love us. We never
2: experienced that before. You know, we didn't feel like a project. We just felt like, man, these people are really cool people. And we like people we want to hang out with and they keep coming by and they're not just coming by once a month. They're coming by and, you know, we're hanging out. So that was one thing. I think that's when the softening started to happen, you know, and then of course just the how many prayers went up on our behalf of of our our, our parents and and people that loved us. And so, um, it all kind of culminated just on a a Sunday morning. And uh, I'll get emotional on this part because it's just, I mean, honestly, this is what kind of just changed the path of our lives. We're laying in bed one Sunday morning, and I just had this voice in my head just saying, go to church, get up, go to church. It's time to change your life. Go to church. And I'm just like, what? What, am, what is this going on? I just kept going and going and we're just laying there and I, and I look over to my wife and I say, hey honey, let's go to church. She's like, what's going on? Is there like a, a you know, a, a, someone going on a, a mission, a homecoming farewell? Is someone giving a talk? You know, what's up? I'm like, no, let's just, let's go to church. She's like, so you just want to go to sacrament? So we're just going to go to sacrament? I'm like, no, let's, let's go to all of it. And, you know, <laughs> now looking back on it, and this is, this is something that's really, I honestly feel like, this is why I feel family history and, and the importance of just connecting with, you know, your ancestors is so, such a vital part of in the gospel and finding that out, to just find out who we are, where we came from, the struggles and trials that made them and, you know, the pioneers, those type of stories, right? Like, I feel like specific ancestors that I've come to know now were in that room, were surrounding us in our beds and just saying, get up, go. Don't let everything that we've done to lay this foundation of the gospel be in vain get up and go to church, right? So we go to church, and this, it was different this time. It was, it was, let's not just go to the bishop and say, hey, you know, we're gonna start coming, but, you know, just the sacrament, and don't give us a calling. We're not ready for that. It's like, let's go straight to the bishop and say, how soon can we get a calling? What do we need to do to be able to get together to be sealed, right? It was like, for once in our life, taking that, you know, your, the, the straddling the fence thing, right? Where I felt like more of we had a foot and a half on, in the world and, you know, just dipping our toes now and then in the gospel when it was convenient. But it was like we said to each other, and that's the cool thing about that we did it together, right? Um, we said, let's go all in. Let's do everything that we grew up that was told us, that would make you happy, that would bring you peace, and put it to the test. You know, let's do it. When that sign-up sheet comes around, let's not just look at it and just pass it up. Let's sign it. and Let's show up to those. And not because we need the blessings. Not, it was just, just do it. And let's go to all the meetings. Let's have family home evening. Let's start praying. Let's start, you know, doing whatever we need to do to be able to get our family sealed. Right, because we were we were we were married in a chapel, but you know through a a good friend of mine who was a bishop at the time. So we basically just went all in. We went all in, and then that's when it all just it it was just it started to change. That's when all the fireworks. That's when all the just the electricity of the gospel that you you hear people when they when they talk about it, but when you're you don't, you're not in that place, you don't really understand it, you don't really feel what they're talking about. She's said, oh that's, mm, that's great for you. <laughs> Seriously, we turned, I, I felt like we turned into those people that I really annoyed me in church. The ones that stood up there and they're crying and looking out and saying, Man, I love you, I don't know you, but I love you, I'm just sitting there, whatever. And we started turning into those people, right? And...
1: Because we'd finally humbled ourselves right? We'd had enough experiences that our hearts had softened and and changed, like literally changed, so that when we walked through the chapel, it wasn't like, what are you going to give me? It was more like, what are we going to get, and what are we going to be able to give back to them? Yeah. And so our attitude had changed, and so it was totally different going in this time, and then like he said, you know, just one thing started leading to another. As soon as you start feeling the warm fuzzies and the testimony here, then that makes you want to do more. And then the more you try to do, then the more warm fuzzies you're getting. And so it was just, like you yeah. said, fireworks, because it just, yeah.
2: See, but, and, and so now going back to like how we met, right? We weren't living the way that we were brought up to live. So I sometimes, I think to myself, wow, because you, you know, you're brought up in the church and you always got to be in holy places. That's the the place you need to be for the, the Spirit to be able to inspire you and speak to you. We weren't in a holy place. But I really believe that Heavenly Father knew the only way for us to come back the way that we did was to let us meet under those circumstances. And in such a dramatic way. That's why it was so dramatic, you know, the way we tell the story. It was like, it wasn't just like, Someone set us up. We went on a blind date or we met at the library or we met at school. It was pretty dramatic. It was like a movie. And it was like, (laughs) that was probably really loud, but it's serious. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just boom. We didn't know it at the time, but serious, I look back now and I see how Heavenly Father, because He is just, He overcompensates, man. He loves us so much and He's just like, Al and Rachel, You have so much more to learn, and so much to give, and so much good that you can do with what I'm gonna give you if you just meet here at this club. Yeah, so he like, (laughs) he he, he
1: meets you where you are,
0: Right.
1: right? The Savior meets you where you are and says, okay, you might be the woman at the well, but I'm gonna meet you here, and then we're gonna take off together, and then we, who knows? I mean, no. I know that our journey is not over yet. No, no. But I think that we're on the right track. Right.
0: Look, guys, I love your story. Um, first of all, I, I just gotta say I'm, I'm filling the spirit big time. I mean, thank you for sharing that. Um, it, I, I've got what do they call it? Chicken skin? Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a powerful witness of. God's love for everybody unconditionally. And I think that is such a powerful what you just said at the very end there about how he meets you where you are. And and he doesn't he doesn't lose love for you because of anything you've done. That's that doesn't define you. That's you know I I I think one of the things that I'm reminded of is I hear you guys talking about your stories, this life is a classroom. It's not just that grand finale test. And if we go and we go to take the test and and we don't know all the answers correctly, we're, sol. It's a classroom. There's room for mistakes. There's room for, uh, failure. And and there, and we can we can give grace and mercy to those, so that people can rise up from them and go forward and, and be excited that, that they're doing that. You know, a failure pre- presents sometimes the best opportunities in the future. And that's obviously what happened to you guys. And the fact that he brought you together at a club and mm-hmm. in a moment, like at glance, there's that energy. It's like, there's no doubt that God meant for you two to meet that night. And, yeah. and you could feel that you could see that. And, and I hope, I hope the listeners um, are able to feel that when you're telling that story, because man, I felt the spirit very strong. So I, I have to, can I go backwards before we go forward real quick? Is that okay? yeah, yeah. I have a yeah. question for you about that morning you woke up and you heard um, go to church. Um, Cause in, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here's the guy that's out on purpose mowing the lawn on Sunday to kind of send a message but yet you're going to other churches at this time and and you're you're just you're kind of staying with Jesus, if you will.
2: Yeah.
0: It's not that you guys ever stopped believing. You you didn't deny anything, from what I'm understanding. Yeah, yeah
2: you're you right. You kept
0: the door open there, but you just you didn't you wanted to engage in your way, right? And kind of set a boundary to all the members of the LBS church saying, Hey guys, <laughs> like let us do our thing. It's right. not that we don't like you, but we just like let us do our thing and and, and we're going to test you on if you truly love us or not. Right. Like if you see me mowing my lawn with my wife beater on and all my tats. Right. And that's what you want to talk about. Then there's probably a problem. But if you want to get to know me, then that's a that's a way a much bigger message. So tell me what what happens before that morning when you wake up and you hear go to church is is anything kind of happening in your lives and your hearts at all are you guys starting to have that conversation of God a little bit more I know the suicide maybe set that off because of your son but like tell me is there anything leading up to that or was it one of those things where you woke up and it was like bam
2: um no there was definitely things uh leading up to it um you know i guess this is kind of a good segue to lead into you know just being brought up and feeling like one of my purposes in life was to be involved with music because my, my family was very musical uh, you know and so you know i think it was shortly after we were married probably a year or two when i said to my wife i'm like hey i just i go to work all i'm doing is thinking about music i come home i'm doing music i'm, I'm, I'm taking my music to work i worked at the sheet metal factory i'm playing my music in the shop and I'll, everyone's listening, like, who's this? Why is this me? Like, what are you doing here, bro? Like, go do music. I'm like, nah, I just, I, just, I never believed in myself. You know, I just didn't have this confidence. I just thought, no, nah, it's just, you know, there's a piece of, there's a one pie and there's just limited pieces. And, you know, someone else already took that piece of pie. You know, it was just that kind of mentality where it's just like, you see someone succeed and it's like, that was me that was supposed to have that pie. Like, you know, friends or people that were succeeding in music or whatever. And it's like, well, this is just—it's this not going to happen for me, you know? And so I, was, I, I went through a period where I was just really forcing, man, it, I was forcing it so hard. Man, music is it, supposed to be my thing. I'm going to make it happen. So I tell my wife I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to take two rooms in the basement, turn into a studio. I'm just going to start producing, recording, and then doing my own you know, solo career. I had this perfect vision of how I thought music was supposed to lay out for me, right? And... You know, the thing is, is that if music would have happened the way that I envisioned it at the time that I thought it should happen for me, it would have ruined my life. Because it was pre-all coming back. It was, you know, before we got grounded spiritually and had a relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and before we really focused on a relationship as a husband and wife and and, and a mom and a dad, right? Right? So I'm just thinking, you know, and again, being upset over like, Heavenly Father, why would you bless me with these talents and you're not opening doors for me? Like I think doors were being opened, but they would just leave the dead end. So I just kept getting frustrated, frustrated, you know? And so that was one thing that was just kind of humbling. It was just like, man, what was, is there something else that I'm missing? You know, and I remember going to my patriarchal blessing and there were certain phrases in that that kind of really struck me differently. At at this point in my life, one that said my patriarchal blessing never said anything about music, so I was always thinking, "Dang, uh, maybe I need to get it redone." Did the dude not know (laughs) how much our family loves music, right? But it did say that I would be a missionary, that I would share the gospel, right? And then there was one line that said that you know, once I put my life, you know, let uh, put God's will before your own, that you will find the place of Albertus. I didn't know what that meant. So I'm like, what does that mean? That I will find the place of Albertus and that my temporal basket will be filled and all the the spirits that you bring into your life will be like an extension of the celestial kingdom, right? And then her patriarchal, you gotta say some things in yours that are just crazy, right?
1: Well, it just talks a lot for me about how my life will be so full of music. She's not a musician
2: but her life will be filled with music and that the times when her companion is away from her the Lord will watch over her and protect her. So these are things again you know that you just again Heavenly Father's just dropping all the little you know the little golden nuggets and 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 as we go through our journey in life we're just we're we're realizing that these things and looking them with totally different right so there was being humbling because of the music thing for me, like just feeling seriously like I was a loser, like I couldn't provide for my family. That, I mean, I remember getting a knock at the door, a guy standing there to repossess our car because I can't make the payment. I look back, my wife is just shocked. She's like, I'm trying to keep this from, she just starts to cry, walks away. I'm like, just so ashamed and embarrassed. I'm like, what is, I mean, seriously, this is going to be my life? That I just feel lost and feel like I'm not good enough, right? And then I watched The Secret. Do <laughs> you remember that, that, that little VHS, right? The Secret, right? I looked at, I watched it totally, you know, they never merely mention God. They talk about a higher power, you know, it's just...
1: The universe. The, the universe. Just manifesting to the universe.
2: But I took that as that you turn it over to God. That you humble yourself, that you tell him your deepest, darkest desires and all your, you know, go to him and repent of all your all the things that you feel so inadequate about, but just turn it over to him. Right? So I remember that distraught. I started crying watching that. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why am I feeling this way? And I just felt like, yeah, it's time to like it's it's like the analogy of, you know when you have a New Year's resolution and you, you go to the gym, everyone goes to the gym, but they go with the same shoes, the same workout, they don't change their eating habits, but they expect these amazing mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. So here I was doing the same things. You know, I was treating the gospel like a buffet where you walk in and you go to Rama, and it's like, I want the scones and the chicken wings, but there's this entire feast of fruit, of vegetables, a variety of meat, a variety of carbs, a variety of desserts. But I go in there and I just want the scones and the chicken wings with blue cheese dressing. That's how I treated the gospel. But this time when we woke up and let's go to church it was like we're going to go in and we are going to partake of everything. We are going to partake of the entire feast. And when we did, and again like I said, when when fireworks starting to go off and everything was just so delicious. It was, just, And literally, man, we felt like Heavenly Father just opened the windows of heaven. Like, literally. And just overwhelmed us. And that's how we felt for the last, since 2009. It just felt like he has just been so generous. You know, you need to think about King Benjamin. Why is he saying that he feels like an unprofitable servant? It's because you... You know, you do your best to, to to be obedient, keep the commandments, and then Heavenly Father blesses you. Then you pray and you say thank you and you have a heart of gratitude. And then he blesses you again. It's like you can never keep up with how good he is to you. You always just feel like I am unworthy of what he is giving me. But then it gives you that fire and that desire just to keep on trying. You know, just keep on trying. Not knowing you know you're never gonna make it there, you're never gonna reach that. You know the such thing as perfection in this lifetime but it just gives you that fire and just feeling like man i gotta just keep stepping it up i gotta just keep trying my best because he is just so kind so loving
0: man you guys this is an incredible story and the secret right right I, i remember i had a buddy at work got to watch the secret, man. You got to watch the secret. And I'd already, <laughs> I'd already come back at this point in my life and I'd already felt that fire. And I, and so I went home and I watched it. And as I'm sitting there listening to it, I'm like, oh, they're talking about faith. They're talking about faith the whole way through faith and then submission is what you're talking about, Al is faith and then submission. And, and, you know, I'll tell you for me personally, and, and I, I would ask this, if this is very similar for you, but for me, when I learned that I could finally take all of those things and turn them over to God and say, look, I'm doing the best I can and I'm trying, I'm trying to serve, I'm trying to give, but I know I've got some selfishness here and, and I'm, I might not be on, you know, the perfect or as close to perfect as you can, the most righteous person in the world, but I sure want to serve and I sure want to, I sure want to live more like the savior i want to i want to i want to be like him help me and and i'll tell you when i finally learned to do that in my life and and i i think you you kind of have to get to that point on a mission because that's all you're doing you're you're living in that world all full time right. but in the in the real world when you finally get there and you, and you do say show me show me the way because I don't know it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough.
2: Right. But I
0: feel something inside me telling me that I'm I'm made for more than what I'm doing. Just show me the way. Like it, those doors just start to open for you, and right. and things move. And I, I love what you said, Al, about how you as you continued to force, you were pushing so hard, it just it just didn't seem to work for you we can only get so far on our own ability. Right. But man, as soon as you turned it over to him, my gosh, your lives and and you're obviously, you obviously get back to church, you engage, you didn't go in to just receive, as you said, but you went to give, You, you were all in, but you were all in personally, like meaning that you went to go look for opportunities to serve and to give and to love and to lift. And man, what a powerful example of, 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 turning your life, you couldn't make a car payment to now, you know, you have a great successful career and, and you guys live in a wonderful place surrounded by great people. Um, yeah. so keep, keep going. I, I, I want to know more after that moment, you go to right. church, you get back engaged in that. Tell me about the doors that start to open. Tell me about opportunities to serve.
1: Well, one of the things that happened, cause you know, sometimes you feel like, um, like you have a plan for yourself and you think like a certain doorway is going to lead in a certain direction. And sometimes heavenly father's plan is even better than the one that you have for yourself. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So, um, as we started going back to church, um, I was still the breadwinner and Al was still trying to pursue the music thing and trying to figure out how that was going to play out in our lives. And, um, He kept trying to, I mean, both of us were praying, how do we switch these roles? How does he become the provider and how do I get to stay home? Because at this time we had two kids. Um, I was traveling a lot for my work. I was missing out on all the little things, you know, their first words and them waking up from naps and just like all those cute little things that a mom wants to be. And of course, you know, Al already expressed how he was feeling like kind of inadequate and... How do I provide for my family? And so we knew that that needed to switch. Hmm. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, then I guess I maybe need to get a better job or (laughs) I need to get a better promotion or, you know, I'm trying to take some of this on, um, thinking maybe that's Heavenly Father's plan. And I remember um, they flew me out to Phoenix Oh, Well, you can't tell that yet. Oh, no?
2: And then, but this is when we were all in still, right? I was still, I I wouldn't say that I was still trying to make music happen. I, I think that... There was a point where I kind of just said, Heavenly Father, I'm not going to force this. I'm still going to enjoy music. It's still who I am. It's still, you know, where I just feel like I I find my place of Albertus still. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm finding my place of Albertus with this whole going back and being all in with the gospel. And so I remember reading the proclamation to the family, probably for the first time. And when it gets to the part about, you know, a father's duties and responsibilities to the family, when it said, It hit me so hard when it said a father's responsibility is to provide and protect and preside over his family. So the provide part just hit me because I knew she was was on the road at the time somewhere. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And it was crazy, man, because I just thought, yeah, that's what he wants me to do. So he's going to open up the doors because we're doing everything that we can do. Like I didn't even question it. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I just knew. And then she went on her little trip. And this is what happened.
1: So I was on my trip. They fly us all in. We're all in our meetings like normal, waiting for the meeting to start. And they come in with like envelopes for everyone. And we had just barely found out we were pregnant with our third child. And so I was going to tell everyone, you know, like make the announcement. Okay, I'm going to be going on maternity leave. And um, they come in with these envelopes and they start passing them out to everyone. And they laid us all off. They gave us a severance package and they're like, okay, well, um, we are changing the division and we are not going to need you guys anymore. So good luck Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for your last 15 Thanks years of the company service. and see ya. And so I I'm devastated. First of all, I'm pregnant. First of all, I was taking on this responsibility of like, okay, heavenly Father is going to open this door for me. Cause I mean, who uh, I was the one that was working at the time and then all of a sudden I just felt like that door was closed. It was like, nope, it's not it's not your job. And so I called <laughs> Al and I was like, honey, you will not believe what happened. She's bawling.
2: She's I'm crying. crying.
1: Yes, I am crying. I'm in tears. And he's like, he got so excited. He's like, honey, this is it. This is totally it. Heavenly Father is gonna open a door for us. So, yeah. This one's closing. That means another one's gonna open. Right. And the thing that we've been praying for, you staying so at confident. home and me going to oh. work, is it's happening. Yeah, it it's, is happening.
2: It's weird to look back on it now, but it like I wasn't afraid. Like I didn't think, like, dang, what am I gonna do? Because I was trying to do things. It wasn't like I was sitting around waiting for a miracle, right? I mean, we were, you know, outside of um, he was trying to, he was
1: yeah. getting his insurance license. Right. Was he like, maybe I'm gonna sell yeah, I mean, insurance. Yeah, I was doing everything. I'm, I'm gonna, like,
2: it was. I was just like rolling dice and like, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try But I was doing stuff. Plus, and you, you know, the iPhone being all design. in on the church thing, right? So I'm just like, he yeah. is gonna do what he said. And he told me that I need to provide for my family, so you can be home and be a mom right? And so I just was like, man, he's going to make it happen. And she was just like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> but guess what? He did. He did. And it, I mean, it was probably, you know, she got a severance package thing and, it, you know, once that all run out and I'm just still like, "Oh, nothing's happening. But like, well,
1: it was actually, they laid me off. Um, and I, my last day was on Halloween, October 31st. And then November came and I mean, there was, we did have severance, but we're like, let's just hang on to that for as long as we can. He started making the exact amount of money I was making starting November. November, he was doing iPhone doing graphic design. iPhone
2: design stuff for the jailbreak iPhone world. I don't know if you ever into that.
1: I've had a phone jailbreak
0: before. I came to you once, Al, somewhere, yeah, somewhere down the road. Oh my goodness!
2: Your <laughs> yeah, so it was crazy. So it was just one, those one of the things, again, one of those just the windows being open and blessings and Heavenly Father just overcompensating. It's like, yeah, just have faith, move forward, and I'm going to open these doors. And that was just another one. It's like, boom, yeah, conversion, you know, just starting to be convert, conversion, conversion, just lots of experiences like that, right? So at this point, again, I had just, music was just I'm good, Heavenly Father. I am so content in life. I, I found like I found the place of Alberta, even though I'm not providing with, for my family. I was driving a forklift for Hewish detergents from seven p.m. to seven a.m. a graveyard shift. Ah, oh, I was so happy. Like it was weird. Like I'm like, why am I so happy? I'm not doing. I'm not doing anything that I thought <laughs> that I was supposed to be doing.
0: But you showed him that you were willing to do what he actually yeah.
1: did. Yeah. Right.
2: So here I am, and... He was
1: made Elder's Quorum President. Oh, yeah,
2: then I was made Elder's Quorum President, right? You know, and and then this is, uh, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, we love helping people move in, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm moving in this family, the Nelson family, right? I'm like moving in all these instruments and just cello, big cello cases. And I'm just like, dude, are you a musician? It's like, yeah. You know, I've done some albums and stuff. Yeah, I'm love. i like, yeah, I'm a a musician. I actually have a recording studio in my basement. We should just get together and jam sometime. Like, on the outside, like, we're total opposite. I mean, he's very intellectual. He's very well-spoken. I mean, the dude is just super smart guy. And, you know, and he's kind of nerdy looking. (laughs) Is he going to watch this? You know, Steve, I know I love you. But you know we were totally different, right? And people were like, why are Steve and Al hanging out? So we'd get together to start hanging out and start jamming, right? Like instantly, like we hit it off musically, but there was a, a, a certain moment in the studio. I didn't know at the time, but he was kind of testing my abilities as, a, as a, a, an engineer and as a producer and as a songwriter. And uh, probably about three months after, you know, these jam sessions, late night, we'd get together twice a week, early in the morning. He, he had a job in, in a, a business uh, real estate you know business with another partner and then i was just you know driving the forklift still doing iphone stuff everything was great i'm like yeah this is just fun i wasn't trying to force music this time i was just doing it because it was really cool and fun with no no intentions no expectations right this is just cool three months he calls me up he's like hey bro uh, i'm just doing I'm working on this new album that i put out with desert book and um just wondering if you'd be the producer on it we can record it at your place i'm like yeah sounds cool so I remember being in the studio and this was this another, uh, just, just another this loving moment from Heavenly Father where it's just like, yeah, you guys, you, I have some work for you to do. Like you guys knew each other in the in the world, you know, the pre-existence. And we're working on this uh, uh, arrangement of um, Away in a manger. And he's just playing. You know, you've seen Steve. The dude just, he's just, he's always, when he plays, he closes his eyes. He's sincerely, when he smiles, he's doing it because he's, he's thinking about his mom and he's thinking, you know, she passed. And you know, that's how he connects with her, right? And so he's just playing, his eyes are closed and you know, he's on the other, he's on the other side of the, the, you know, he's in the sound room and I'm in the control room so there's glass in between us. And he, all of a sudden he just hits this really low note and he's smiling and then he looks at me and he opens his eyes and he's got a tear in his eye. And all of a sudden I just felt the spirit say, "Whoo!" You guys are gonna do something with music together, and it's gonna be really special. And we had had discussions like, you know, what do you wanna do with me? What do you wanna do? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I've kinda of just stopped pushing it. I'm just, but I, I really wanna do music that helps people feel the spirit, but not like do the hymns, not do the primary songs. There's a lot of people doing that. I wanna do music that's helped people feel the spirit that's all inclusive, that just doesn't matter what religion you are, where you live, you know, you know just throwing out ideas, right? So anyway, that was that moment where it just kind of just felt we just connected just totally spiritually and then through music. So I'm like, cool. And then one day he's like, hey, you heard of John Schmidt? I'm like, ah, I think he's that old guy, right? He <laughs> <laughs> plays the piano upside down or something like that. He's like, yeah. Anyway, he's working in another studio, which was kind of a mutual friend of ours. And he's, he's working on an original song. And he's kind of at this point to where he's kind of hit a roadblock, like just creatively. Looking for a new place. I told him about you, how you're really chill, really cool, you know. The Dutch Samoan, you know, I'm just kick back, whatever. He's like, so, what do you think he comes to your studio? You know, which was in my basement. It wasn't even a studio. It was in, in my, you know, come over here we can work on the song together. I'm like, sounds cool. So that's how I met John, right? And, and Steve had known John because Steve had, uh, you know, John had a 20-year solo career. But Steve would join him on stage for a couple songs, just play this cello, and then he'd leave. So that's how they knew each other. Well, Paul, who lives in Southern Utah, had a a Yamaha piano store. He hurt his back. He was laid up in bed, started watching. It's when YouTube and Facebook was kind of really on the verge of just kind of people were using it in in unconventional ways. And he's like, man, maybe I could use this to promote my piano store. And he built a relationship with John because anytime John would perform in Southern Utah, he would loan him a Yamaha grand piano. Right? So he created a channel. He's like, I'm going to create a YouTube channel and I'm gonna ask John, hey John will you kind of be the famous artist that plays my pianos, but I'm gonna take these pianos out of the normal context context that you'd see them indoors in a concert hall or whatever and put it out in the beauty of southern Utah on the rocks out in the field and I'm gonna create, we'll we'll upload that video to YouTube, you know playing your music, John Schmidt's original compositions and we'll sell tons of pianos. That was the reason that Paul created the YouTube channel called the Piano Guys was just to sell his pianos, right? So, back to the studio where we're working on this original song. Paul, John's telling us about this guy's idea. Paul, we're like, sounds cool. Yeah, let's work on this original song called Michael Meets Mozart. We all get together, film the video, because we were just having fun, right? We weren't making money, but my wife was just so supportive and was always just like, go, honey, go do it. Like, I'm gonna go to St. George and film a video. I'm not getting paid, I'm, none, but it's gonna be, fun. she's like, I don't, what were you well, thinking? I,
1: well, because sometimes I think you just know when there's yeah. good, right? And the spirit has a way of telling you like warning or a peaceful feeling when you know that it's great so yeah. i just always had a peaceful feeling about whatever because they were doing. good guys because they, they were, were just good such guys
2: good guys
1: and it just i could see how much happiness it was bringing to him and i could tell like i knew he had put music on the back burner he, and but like as far as like not really trying to force anything but i also knew that it was something that was such a big part of him and i could see how this was just bringing him so much joy
2: yeah Right, so here we, we all meet to film this video, Michael meets Mozart, because we were gonna sell tons of pianos, right? Put the video up a week later, and this is 2010, you know, early 2011. It got a million views. We're just like, whoa, what's going on? We're like, this is cool. And then so, songs me and Steve had been working on, we're like, hey, here's an idea, Paul, what if, since you know you have music, I know you wanna sell pianos, but what if we just kinda just put, cool videos of just you know cello and just music and do piano and cello videos and just kind of have it a kind of like an entertainment spot and then you sell pianos and whatever you keep the we split the revenue whatever you know we're just thinking you know just totally like that's what it was for we're gonna sell tons of pianos guys so we shoot another video put it up it was a it was a a piece by uh, um, Bach it was the uh, unaccompanied cello suite And we added, it was just for one cello, but we added seven more parts, right? Put that up there, cloned Steve seven times, million views in another week. We're like, what the heck is going on? Never again, still didn't even think this is gonna be our career, this is gonna be something that we're gonna be doing for the next (laughs) 10 years of our life. We were just going with it because it just felt right. Right? Never, you know, everything before my life was I did it because I needed to make money. <laughs> money was the first thing on my mind. I needed to do this job. I don't care really what it is, you know. I try to pick jobs that were, you know, I can be in sales because I, you know, I knew how to talk, right? You know, I like talking to people or whatever. So all my jobs were always kind of like in those, but it wasn't, you know. And so that was always kind of what I always thought before. It was like, yeah, just you just got to work and find something because you need to make money because you got to pay your bills. But this was just like, I'm doing this because it's fun. We ain't making money, but who cares? This is so cool. So probably about six months from that first initial, just me and Steve meeting, and then meeting John and putting these videos up, you know, we had a manager and we had a record deal with Sony Music. And now fast forward 10 years, we have over 2.5 billion views on YouTube. We've done 10 albums. You know, six million subscribers, you know, or, a, you know, followers on Facebook, Instagram, you know, millions of views, just craziness, right? Never sold a piano.
0: <laughs>
2: we didn't sell one piano. And that, that was, the, you know, what my wife was talking about, where we think in our mind, this is, this is what we're, you know, what, this, is, this is kind of what we need to be doing. This is kind of the plan that, you know, why we were put here. And Heavenly Father just says, Nope. I'm going to flip that around and take it up here, take it up, and I'm going to make it even better. Like He made music for me way sweeter than I ever imagined for myself. And I could keep my family. I could keep my faith. I could keep my integrity. I'm surrounded with guys that are just good men, that are worthy priesthood holders, that put their family first, that put God first, and have just lifted me to a place that I could have never done on my own. There is strength in numbers and us being together was there's there's no happening. it was a miracle it, it was a miracle how Heavenly Father just orchestrated every little detail of how we all met how the changes in my life happened at the time when they did and how I let go of of trying to force the music and just saying Heavenly Father I'm good I'm ha- I can be happy without that because I have a relationship with you and in Jesus Christ, and, and I, I felt the power of the, uh, the atonement in my life. I know it's real. Right? So when he did that, when he just said, okay, but wait, there's more, and he still gave me that in a way that, again, that I could just, man, and, and so then that's where I looked at my patriarchal blessing and and where I realized that when it wasn't saying a thing about music and it was focusing on missionary work. That's what, that's what our mission is as the Piano Guys, is helping people to feel the love of Christ through pop music, mashing up with classical music, with no language barrier, instrumental music. Who would have thought, if you would have put a business plan together for LDS dads that we're all in our you know, late 30s, John is in his 70s, you know what I'm saying? That you're filming classically influenced music in nature and that you're going to make a career out of it? Heck, no, people would laugh. I mean, I look back and think that is just silly. The idea of that is just, no, that doesn't work. But it worked because that's what God wanted it, to, how, how he wanted it to happen. And there was things each of us, individually, we all have a story individually that, you know, our journey that led us to the point to where it was just the right time. It was the right time, and we all were ready for it. You know, we were all ready for it for the right reasons. And, man, I just look back, and I'm just so humbled, just so humbled again because of how much love that he had for us. And just, and our wives, they've just been the rocks, right? I mean, they've, we've traveled so much. I mean, when we were really traveling hard, I mean, for a good eight, nine years, we were gone five, six months of the year. My wife never complained. I'm here I am in France eating gelato, posting pictures on Facebook. She's home, you know, and the kids are eating their those leftovers. Days were rough. Seriously. But I'm she,
1: eating mac and cheese and changing oh, diapers and he's eating gelato. She's I told mean, me now, on. but she's <laughs> never made me
2: she never made me feel bad about it. Like she was just so supportive and loyal and just was just so happy sincerely like happy for me. Even though I know she felt those certain ways. Now, you know, she's telling me those things. That, and I could see how it'd be so difficult for her, but the thing was like, if we didn't have the wives, our wives, they, they I, you know, they played just as much as an important role in this all happening the way that it has, because honestly, again, with, without her, and without that moment in the club when we met, I, I, would, I would still be trying to chase the dream for all the wrong reasons. I know I would be, and, and, and my life would just be average. And I would just be getting by, and I would just say, this is my life, and this is just how it is. And I would be the one that's writing on Facebook, TGIF, oh my gosh, Monday, oh my gosh, this is just, you know, get me out of here, you know, those people that I unfollow now, because it's just like, so negative, you know what I mean? But it's just everything, because of her, really, I feel like, and she, even before all the, the music, she was just always, the, 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 the day when I said, I'm gonna quit my job, you know, that was a good job, I had good benefits for her just to say, yeah, honey, you can do it. I know inside she was probably freaking out, but she didn't let me see it. She just knew that I had to get out of there because I was miserable. And she was just like, yeah, honey, do it. You can do it. So she's always been there just supporting me and just and encouraging me and just being that just unwavering, just with no conditions, love for me, you know? And on all of, the, and, and all of you know, the guys would say that about their, their, their wives. I-
0: I'm going to ask a few questions right now. I, amazing story. And and I'm going to, Rachel, I'm going to turn to you first. Cause as I'm sitting here, listening to this story, what a powerful story, but, but it's because of you both and, and all of the piano guys, obviously just like you said, Alex, it's, it's a partnership with not just you guys as men, but obviously the wives as well. And Rachel, the first thought that comes to my mind as I'm sitting here listening to the story is, is I've been thinking, how like have you noticed a big difference in your life with your children? Have you seen a change in their lives? Have, like what have you seen in your at your in your end of it?
1: Well, there's been lots of changes. I mean, in, in the early days, like when we started going back to church, I started, you know, we were starting to pray and they started to, you know, even the small basics of having a relationship with their heavenly father and knowing that there's more and my son getting those answers as to where we go when we die and yes, we will see uncle Eric again. And you know, so just there. And then me being able to be a stay at home mom now. I mean, I'm with my kids every single day. I don't miss out on anything. I'm here when they get home from school. We get to talk about their day. They get to unload their backpacks. You know, I get to enjoy all those little moments that I would have missed out on it before. And so, yeah, like, it's the best ever. And, you know, we, when we went back to the temple, um, right before we were sealed, we were doing a sealing session. Mm-hmm. And the sealer um, kind of saved us for last. And he sat us down and he's like, do you know the difference between Well, the sealing- first he looked
2: at us and he didn't know us, but he's like, you must have beautiful children. We're <laughs> like, yep, we, we do.
1: do. <laughs> So, and then he, so then he proceeded to just say, um, yeah, you must have beautiful children. Uh, do you know the difference between the sealing prayer said for the living and the dead? And we hadn't been sealed together yet. We yeah. had just been yeah, we're going just go- to the yeah. temple doing it for people that had passed. And he's like, well, the sealing prayer that's said for the living, you're commanded to multiply and replenish the earth. And as soon as he said that, we both because we thought with two kids yeah, we, we were, were done. we
2: were good.
1: And then as soon as he said that, like our both of our hearts just were struck, and we knew we without know. a doubt that we yeah. there was one. We more left that session like
2: we need it. There's another one, isn't there? And she's like, "Yep."
1: Yep. Month later, one. she
2: was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, and then I've been home with him. Like he has been our gift because yeah. the other two kids, I missed out. I missed out on their first steps. I missed out on their first words. I missed out on a lot of stuff. And with Anton, our youngest I have he was the biggest gift to me because every second of his life I've been there I haven't missed anything
0: it's amazing how you benefit so much but so do they right like, I mean I are oh, so totally. lucky to have that mother's love in their home and now I know you know oh. what I'm saying because oh, us bro. men we, we we
2: can't do it the same man there's no way I've, I've tried and I, and we just yeah Go on, man. I, I know <laughs> and
0: I just, I think, what a blessing. You know that that one door shuts at work. You get that that letter, that severance package. You call your husband. He said, "Al says, hey, the door just opened. Here we go. We're on our way. The secret just happened. Like, it's the secret." Um,
2: that that at that point, I was given the credit to where it really. I I knew it was God was opening those doors.
0: Amen to that. It's the power of that love, that selfless love on both parts. I I think. That unselfish, selfless love that and just allows people to grow into what they want to do when you're connected and you you're you're living to those passions that you have in your life of service and trying to be the best you can for God. He just flings doors wide open for you. And we we say hindsight's 2020, 20, we can see mountains that are moved looking back, but you can you kind of get in that zone where all of a sudden you're like, that mountain's moving for me right now. Like you just trust that's gonna happen. Um, I thank you. So i I like kind of want to go I'm back to you and ask a couple questions. And and the first one's actually kind of funny because we are talking about those people on social media that put the posts of like, Oh, Mondays, you suck. Yeah, and yeah. Friday, yeah. thank <laughs> you. Here we go. Hey, okay, we're almost halfway through the week. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've all kind of been there. Yeah. Most of us are, um, What would you say to those people that just are fighting themselves? They're fighting to try and get that thing that they want, right? That are fighting themselves. What what would you say to them?
2: Well, I can only say to them what worked for me, you know, and that was just to uh, turn it over to God because he can do so much more with us than we can do for ourselves, right? He can heighten our abilities. He can, he can, um, strengthen our talents. He can open doors for us that we have probably never even thought were a possibility. You know, it is, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, all things are possible, you know, through the power of, 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 of our loving Heavenly Father, because He has such a, a perfect love and understanding of, of why we were specifically Put on this earth. And I, I feel like that is kind of one of the greatest purposes is to discover that place. You know, like I finding, you know, e- even though I feel like throughout my life, I've definitely know, you know, my wife found the place of Albertus, you know, having a family, finding the place of Albertus, um, piano guys, finding the place of Albertus, you know, but it, it's not so much that I've arrived, it's just, it's that, it's just, it's part of that whole, my, that. You know the journey that 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 I'm on, right? So I just feel like the only thing I could say to people is to just let go. Like, stop trying to force things. Stop trying to make decisions based upon the unknown and based upon fear. You know, based upon on the fear of, am I good enough? You know and 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 the and the doubt that we have of, of of comparing ourselves and just feeling man that was that was supposed to be my piece of the pie and you just took it in heavenly father's eyes there's unlimited amounts of pies with unlimited pieces with unlimited flavors and varieties of pie but and you see this on social media just everybody's just so upset you know that was mine everyone's so entitled that was supposed to be for me so Oh, well, that was my chance, so now I'm just going to live and just have a so-so life and just look forward to the weekends, right? But So the only thing I can say is what worked for me is when I let go of all that and when I turned it all over, I went all in to Heavenly Father and said, okay, I've just been messing it up. You know, it's all just led to this, th- these roadblocks and dead ends. So it hasn't been working, so I'm giving you a shot. And I'm going to go all in with my wife together as a family. We're going to do this. And we just watched what happened. And we just let it unfold. And it just, we we got a new set of eyes. It was like we had surgery and a surgeon came in and and gave us a new set of eyes. I looked at my wife different. I looked at my kids different. I looked at my responsibility as as a son, as a friend. Just totally different, right? And then just that change of heart that Alma talks about. That is so real. Man, and when that happens, and, and like you said, Mike, like you don't take back those times when you know you went and just kind of like, you know, kind of just took a little break from the church, you know, and, and I won't take back any of that because now I can look back and I feel like I'm less judgmental of people that are going through that. I can say, I, have, I can truly look people, I've been there. I said those same things. I felt that same way. But guess what? It's all a lie. And Heavenly Father, man, He, he has something f- for each of us that is just mind-blowing, amazing, right? And and, and it doesn't always turn out to where, you know, I, I always just feel like, you know, because the way that it turned out for me, yeah, I wanted music, but then I, you know, let go of it, but then it just—it turned out that way for me. But I really feel that if, if it turned out that he wanted me to be a, uh, an uh, interpretive dancer, honestly man, I would have put my all into it, man, and I would have loved it. I would have lived my best life, as my wife always said, you know what I mean? I would have really just felt like, man, Heavenly Father opened the door for me. I'm an interpretive dancer, man. And people are feeling the Spirit by the moves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, whatever it is, oh, it's just his way is always the better way. The gospel, when you look at it, and I think that's what kind of kept me away from it in the beginning, because it, if you look at what our church and the involvement and all the, the things that are involved in being a, a member of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints it is a very daunting. I mean, the callings alone, right? You know, the standards of living, you know, the, the, um, the, the, uh, the responsibility that we have to, to others and to ourselves and the service and all that. It's just like, whew! But when you just say, well, I'm just going to do my best, Heavenly Father, and, you know, I'm going to mess up along the way, but I, I'm doing my best. He's just going to make up for every any inadequacy that you, that you have, any insecurity that you have. You know, I think that's the beauty of the atonement, right? And that's one thing where Rachel says, like, we are already good enough. Like, we're good enough. Right? He's he's already paid for all of that. You know, but we just beat ourselves up that we're just not good enough and we mess up. And, oh my gosh, we're just going to, terrible, I don't want to pray now because I'm just so deep in. He doesn't want to hear. That's when he wants to hear us the most. Right? That's when he's just saying, I'm here. I'm still here. I didn't leave you. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Just keep me, keep me connected with you. Whatever it is. There's there's no separation between. Like I always thought there was a separation. Like now I'm working. Now I'm a friend. Now I'm a dad. And then I have my church thing, you know, my spiritual side. But it is spirituality is interwoven in every decision. It doesn't have to be a spiritual a religious spirit, you know, that kind of decision. It's like, I remember John, this is one thing he told me, it's ask Heavenly Father who you should date. That's what he's telling his boys. And if you should kiss them, if that's appropriate. Right? You know what I'm saying? He he cares about things like that. That's what he means when he says pray always. Pray about everything. Not just the big, you know, life-changing events, you know, or the ones that are going to be really traumatic or whatever, those types of trials. It's just the little things. You know, and we've seen that just so much uh, throughout our lives, and it's just been, again, just we just that conversion process just keeps going. I think we're, I definitely feel like we're at a point now, you know, where you feel like, you know, you hear about, you know, what is the greatest, you know, the most unforgivable sins, You know, it's like, you know, murder, and then denying the Holy Ghost. Like I can personally say that right now, I have been, I have received the light and knowledge, like it is purely been testified 100% through the Holy Ghost to my heart, not just my mind, but to my heart, where if I denied it at this point, I think I would be committing that unforgivable sin, right? I mean, and so, and I don't, I'm not like, I'm, it doesn't, it's not something that scares me or I'm like, oh, that's just like a, you know, I just feel that way.
0: I know what you mean. When, when you see it so clearly with those new eyes that he's given you, that new Right. right Right. alma again said when you receive his image in your countenance and it's not saying yeah, that you are right. like him because that's holy cow you want to be and um when you try to be and and live as selflessly and focused on loving people and it doesn't matter who they are what they've done what they're doing currently they are beloved and they need to be loved and and i you know i, I just think god this this message you guys have left tonight has just I've just I've been touched. You know, I, it says you're supposed to minister to the one. Well, yeah. you
2: know I don't I,
0: I know a lot of people are going to get a lot from this, but I just want to I just have to say thank you. Uh, this has meant a lot to me tonight because your message has been powerful, and I felt the Spirit throughout. And God is good, and He connects us with those that that we need to. And 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 sometimes I feel like all you got to do is plug in and you power up, right? You just got to connect you. Connect and he'll take care of the rest. And right. um you've you've had that message loud and clear tonight. I, I end all my podcasts um with just one last question. If that's okay, I think you guys have given us so much. I mean, it you could you could break this down in segments and have lessons on different principles that have come out through your conversation tonight and your story. Um the, the last question I always ask people when I end my podcast is what in your darkest moment? What is the gift that you received in that darkest
2: moment? Wow. That's a deep question. You have any thoughts on that, babe? So I can have time to ponder. <laughs> <laughs> in your darkest moment, what is the gift that you What is the gift received? that you received
0: in that darkest moment? And, and you may not have seen it until later on, right? usually we don't in that darkest moment.
1: I think sometimes in our darkest moments, um, like in my darkest moments, um, I, I want like a bright light to come on or something. But I know that usually what happens is the fog just slowly starts to clear. And sometimes in our darkest moments, it just is just a little bit of light like just a little bit of hope just a little bit of guidance and then sometimes we see a door and it's like you just reach for that door and you don't know where it's gonna lead and then you just go a little bit further and sometimes you feel like you're on the ledge and you're just like oh my goodness hanging on by a thread but it's like you just always have just that little bit of light and a little bit of guidance and I guess just having the faith and my husband's always better at that than me um, but that faith and hope that even when it's dark, like there's always, he's always there.
0: And to be able to trust in that is holy cow! Doesn't that instill just so much peace in our lives? Right? I, that, what? It, that? Amen. Amen. That was great.
2: That was awesome. I think um, in my darkest moments, I can only look back and remember. The miracles and the wonders that he has made manifest throughout my life. I recently went through kind of one of these just um, not, not a, a faith trial, but it was just, it was just a, a personal trial uh, that we were going through in our family and I remember going to the uh, studio. Actually, we were doing the gospel study thing. We were doing the Come, Follow Me, you know, during this COVID thing, and we was just every day, and it was just so great. We just got onto this schedule every morning, and it was just something that we had a hard time before that, just finding the time with the kids, just all the activities that they were doing. I'm sure that you feel the same way. Anyone that has kids, it just, just all over the place, and it, at night, it's the worst. It's just. I mean, the last thing I want to do is try to, to settle then now. It's like, let's just say the prayer. Let's get these kids to bed, right? So one morning I just wake up and I'm like, ah, I just left. I didn't even say bye. We didn't do come follow me. I texted my wife and my saw I can't do it this morning. I just, I just can't feel it. I'm just not feeling it. You know, and it was one of those times where I just wanted to, feel sorry for myself. Like I didn't want anyone to give me a pep talk. I didn't want to pray it out out and feel the Spirit. I wanted to just sulk. So I went to the studio and I'm just sitting there feeling sorry for myself and get this impression to watch this video by Elder Holland called Good Things to Come. One that I've watched so many times and forwarded to people. So get the impression I'm just keep ignoring no I'm good I, I don't want to I know what it's all about And no, I'm I don't want to feel the spirit because I want I want to be in this place that I am right now it's, it's good I just want I just want to be in this self-pity party but felt the impression again watch the video several times coming probably about 10 minutes later I'm like okay I'll watch it Pull it up on YouTube, start watching it again. I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yep, okay, yeah, car breaks down. Okay, nice old man helps you. Woohoo. Yeah, yeah, keep going, keep trying, whatever. Watched it. Okay, I did feel a little bit better. I'm like, hey, good. All right. That's, that's what I needed. Awesome. You know, but I'm still going to, you know, just kind of in these, uh, these feelings. Then I get the impression, now get down and pray. I'm like, no, that I'm not going to get down and pray. No, get down and pray. Then I remember this quote by Brigham Young that says, "The time we need to, pray, like, when we don't feel like praying, pray until you do." So I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna pray." So I start. I get down. You know, just kind of like praying in my mind. It's like, "No, say it out loud." So then I just said, "Okay," and then I just started talking to Heavenly Father, and I just, I mean, it, I've had some really amazing, just very personal, intimate prayers, but this one was. I mean, and it, I wasn't mad. I wasn't blaming him for anything because, I've, again, I, again, I always knew he always p- pulled through. Like, it was always better at the end, right? There's always good things to come, right? But I just was talking to him like my father and just saying, this is how I'm feeling, man. I am not feeling good. I'm not dealing with this well. I just left my house. What is going on? Heavenly Father, right now, I just need you to let me know that you're listening to me and that there are good things to come. Let me know, please. And I get done saying that prayer and I'm just crying like heck. And and he said, the spirit said, okay, now go watch that video again. Now that you have the spirit. So I went and watched the video, and all of a sudden, all these ideas, all these words I'm writing down better days, good things to come, don't give up. If you're drowning, keep swimming. And a whole song came to me. A song called Better Days came to me, right? That I wrote in two days. So it was like, it was one of these moments where he specifically, like, I knew. He knew me so specifically that he knew my language of talking to me through music that he just said, okay, I'm going to let you know I'm here and I'm going to give you this song. I'm going to just give it right to you where he just threw it in my lap. It was just so undeniable. It was so personal, such the coolest way that Heavenly Father was just like, hey, I'm going to give you a song then because then you will know it's from me. And you're going to know these ideas and these words are coming from me to comfort and lift you and let you know that good things are to come. You're going through a trial right now, but guess what? And I love this line that, that and I put it right in the song um, where Elder Holland says, um, some blessings come soon, some blessings come late, but some come in heaven. It's all on God's timing, right? So there I was in my darkest moment and I, I basically went from, a, from a, a, a like darkness, like just feeling like, man, I'm just, I don't know, I know it's gonna, it's gonna happen. I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this because I'm just feeling horrible right now and I wanna stay in this place to where he gives me this song of good things to come and that there's gonna be better days. And it was just this big hug. It was this huge hug from my heavenly father. Man, and that, so that 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 was just a very recent experience of just, in uh, a long way to answer your question, of just how I came out of a dark moment. But really just, again, now I can always reflect upon that again. That's just another thing I can say when I'm in that moment because it's going to happen again. You know, we fool ourselves that we go through a trial and then, well, once we get over this trial, whew, things are going to be great. Things, Or when we get to this stage of life or whatever, you know, but... This is this life, this is is what it's about. It's about trials and tribulations and progress and growing and so there's another trial and that's gonna come. But I can now look back on those miracles and those wonders and that perfect love that he has shown consistently throughout my life when I include him in it with real intent, pray to him with real intent, no matter what the answer is gonna be that I'm gonna say yes. So that's my testimony, man. I know God lives. I know He loves us with such a perfect love. Each of us. He knows us individually. And He cares about us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to have joy and peace and purpose in life. And I know that He lives. And I know that the atonement is real. I know that Jesus Christ died for us. And that He lives for us. And I will testify that till my dying day, if I can leave my kids with anything, it's to know and have a relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And if they do, there is no storm that they can't weather. There is no obstacle that they can't overcome. And that's my testimony. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Guys, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, it's been. A, it's been. A- powerful evening to me for me and and uh, I just I pray that that uh, the right people will be able to hear this and and that will you know go to many the ones if you will because what an incredible witness of God and his awareness of us how important we are to him and the fact that we can just give it to him and let him show us the way and he will and we can trust that that's the secret that's yeah that's the yep, that's a secret right? it is thank you for tuning in to come towards delight the podcast i truly hope you enjoyed today's show i would love to hear your feedback you can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on apple podcast or any podcast platform you use if you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that i need to talk to please email me at come delight at gmail.com